The title of my message this evening is The Gospel and a Christmas Carol. You have the text of Hark the Herald Angels Sing uh, in front of you. And I discovered that they had been uh, doing a little bit of a biography of uh, different uh, people during uh, this month of uh, December into Christmas. And um, I'm looking at a Christmas carol. When I was in Bible college, I had a systematic theology professor that introduced me to hymns. I was raised Catholic and didn't really know very many hymns at all. It was all brand new to me. I knew Christmas carols. I knew Hark the Herald Angels Sing Joy to the World. But uh, he made us memorize the text of Oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. That was part of my theology class, which was a Charles Wesley um, hymn. And Charles Wesley is the one that wrote Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And uh, Char Charles Wesley was an 18th century uh, preacher. He was the brother of John Wesley, who founded the, the Methodist movement and became a part of uh, uh, a uh, person who led the uh, Methodist revival that we know as the Great Awakening in the 18th century. He was a contempor contemporary of George Whitfield. I found it interesting that Charles Wesley served as a missionary um, to America before he had a, his salvation experience. It was kind of interesting that he was an Anglican uh, minister, and uh, God got a hold of him, and he became an itinerant preacher with uh, his brother, George Whitfield. They went uh, throughout England and evangelized people. He was a writer of over 6,500 hymns, and some of them are uh, ones that you know, and if you don't know them, you should know. Maybe get a hold of a hymn they'll start digging back into. Because that was something that I liked to do since I didn't have it. It was all new to me. Uh, because with hymns, there's a whole lot of theology. We're going to look at a little bit of it tonight. Um, he, he wrote, And can it be? And can it be that I should gain? Christ the Lord is risen today. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Uh, Jesus, lover of my soul. And lo, he comes with clouds descending. Um, he's also credited with uh, writing a couple, uh, two of the four uh, cornerstone hymns of the Anglican Church. So uh, that's a little bit about Charles Wesley. Um, Ark the Herald Angels Sing, we know the first verse. Um, and since Christy isn't going to lead us in song tonight, I'm a little disappointed about that. Um, we can look at the lyrics. It says, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the newborn King, Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all you nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic host proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. How many are familiar with that verse? Um, and you can look right there in, uh, in that song is the gospel presentation that Jesus came so that God and sinners could be reconciled. Amen? Isn't that powerful? Um, we overlook that, don't we? We kind of just kind of breeze right through it. We go through the familiarity of the song, and then we kind of move on to the next one. Everybody, joy to the world. Now, silent night. You know, we kind of just race through them. Um, I did not read the scripture, did I? I told you to open your Bibles and opened it. It's right there on your paper, and then I got so excited about the song that I moved to that. Um, it's John chapter 1. Uh, and I'm just going to look at uh, verse 14. And if you remember my congregation, you got nervous because whenever I had a short text, I had a really long sermon. P 
people were canceling their 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 luncheon plans because they weren't going to make it. His pastor was going to go long that day. Um, but I assure you, I won't go as long as I typically would. No promises, though. Um, John chapter 1, verse 14, I like the uh, New International Version. Uh, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for all that you do and all that you've done. Lord, we make this offering to you, and I pray that you would anoint it, uh, that you would open our hearts to receive it, that you would speak to your people, Lord. Uh, may this humble offering be like the little drummer boy, Parumpa Pum Pum, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, as we were saying earlier, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Um, so, if you look on the back, you have a little bit of notes. They're just bullet points. Um, and the first one you can write there in uh, big capital letters, because when you write in capital letters, it emphasizes that point. And it's a three-letter word, awe. I'll spell it for you, too. A-W-E. And if that's too much for you, you can write it's the capital letter and normal lowercase words, uh, letters, wonder. Because I know my wife's here and she's a teacher and we don't write in all capitals. We don't, we don't do that. We write one capital letter and then lowercase word, lowercase letters, wonder. And the thing that I, I, want, I want to take is just to take a moment and just um, give us a gentle reminder um, we're into the Christmas season, and we get caught up in the busyness of Christmas, and we overlook a lot of things. It just kind of sneaks up on you, doesn't it? Unless you're a teacher, <laughs> and you can't wait for it to get here. We're in the last week. I get out on Friday, and I'm just crawling to the finishing line. So, um, But, uh, you know, it, it sneaks up on us, and uh, the next thing we know, it's over, and we look, and we missed a lot of things. And so I just want to take a moment and highlight this. Um, with the word awe. Just like we breeze through Christmas carols, we sing them because they're familiar. Uh, kind of the things of the Christmas season, even our theology, we kind of take for granted sometimes and just want to stop and look. Uh, come, let us behold him. I know that's a different hymn, but let's behold him. And um, I got to go back to my song. I got to flip my page over. There we go. Christ by heaven, highest heaven adored. This is verse two of Charles Wesley's uh, awesome Christmas carol. Christ by hev highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. As I get older and the more time I spend in schools, I'm discovering that our children know very little about things that I took for granted 
um, even growing up, uh, that they just don't know, you know. Um, Seven-year-olds didn't know that a Christmas tree was an evergreen tree and didn't know the difference between that and a tree that could, the leaves could drop and uh, change color and drop and fall. Um, so that was kind of an eye-opener to me. And so, and there's a lot of things that they don't know um, unless they have exposure to church, and a lot of my children today just don't. Um, even though our school did have a Jesus in our classroom, we had a boy named Jesus, and I could hear the teacher yelling at him across the hall, Jesus, I told you to sit down. I'm going, not the, not the same Jesus. In my, class, I, in my class, I have a Messiah, and uh, he is a young Messiah. He's seven. Um, so it's, it's just a little different today. Uh, and there's a lot of things that, that we just don't know. And uh, I want us in the church not to let it pass by. Um, what, what do we celebrate in Christmas? I've read in places that, um, in secular areas, that they want to make Christmas a celebration of motherhood. Okay? And, you know, um, it's a, it, then they go too far to say it's a celebration of brotherhood, you know, peace on earth, goodwill to man. And, you know, all these things sound nice, but Christianity um, and Christmas, uh, I saw a meme come through Facebook about how the word is Christ mass. It's a religious holiday. It is a religious holiday. You, don't, you can't get away from it. Um, that's the whole point of it. It's not a celebration of motherhood. Although we do celebrate uh, the virgin birth, uh, we do celebrate Mary um, being the, the mother of Jesus. And uh, there is that emphasis with the nativity. But the whole point of Christmas is the focus on Jesus. And not just Jesus being a baby that was born in um, difficult circumstances. You know, I, there's all kinds of things where they try to uh, water down, I guess, the, you, would, you could say, um, the message of Christmas. It's about Jesus and who he is. He is, the reason for the virgin birth is because he is the second person in the Trinity. He is, uh, uh, and, and it's right here in our verse, uh, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Um, what do we know about God? It's what Jesus revealed to us in the flesh. Um, one of the things that is, is real popular in our society is God loves you. How do we know that? Because Jesus loves us. Jesus demonstrated love towards us. Jesus revealed compassion to us. Jesus referred to God as the Father. Um, and so it's important is the identity of who that baby is, as well as the reason for why he came. I often like to say that the manger um, was, was um, how did I say it now? I've been, I got to write these things down. The manger was born in the shadow of a cross, I think is something to that effect. Um, but the idea is, is that you can't have Christmas without it pointing towards Easter and the crucifixion because that was the whole purpose of Jesus came. Today a Savior is born to you in the town of Bethlehem. Jesus came to save us from our sins. He came to reconcile us to God, which is in our first verse, God and sinners reconciled. Um, the importance of who Jesus is, is is something that we as Christians cannot take for granted, 
that we have to take a moment and pause and soak it in and uh, understand what has taken place here. It's no accident that our history uh, is marked by the advent of Jesus. Uh, we mark it um, uh, 2000 B.C., before Christ, uh, even though they like to change it now. Um, I still go by the B.C. And our year today is 2023 A.D., in the year of our Lord. Um, because God stepped into time and space, and the world has never been the same. And so we need to back away and behold his glory for who he is. And just to help you a little bit with this concept, um, uh, Max Lucado tells a story in his wonderful book, God Came Near, which is where I stole the title from, because uh, I love it so much, that God came near. He tells a story about a man named Bob Edens, who was 51 years old, and he was born blind. He couldn't see a thing through five decades of darkness. Can you imagine that? And then he could see. A skilled surgeon performed complicated operation, and for the first time, Bob Edens had sight. He found it overwhelming. I never would have dreamed that yellow is so yellow, he exclaimed. But I just can't believe red. Red is my favorite color. I can see the shape of the moon, and I see... Uh, nothing better than seeing a jet plane fly across the sky, leaving a vapor trail. And of course, sunrises and sunsets. And at night, I look at the stars in the sky and uh, the flashing lights of the airplanes that go by. You never know how wonderful everything is. And he's right. Those of us who have lived a lifetime with vision have taken all of those things for granted. We just see them as part of our life. But Bob Edens can sit back and be as someone who has seen it for the very first time. And he is in awe and wonder over it. We need to step back and take a look at the nativity once again. We need to step back and look at this baby in the manger and the implication about who he is. This baby, uh, how many have ever heard the song, Mary, Did You Know? It's that, it, it's that um, Mark Lowry sits there and asks these, these, these very poignant questions. Did you know that this baby uh, walked with angels trod? And when you kiss this little baby, I love this line, you kiss the face of God. Did you have any idea of who this person is? And of course, they had no idea. They had no concept. The incarnation is beyond our comprehension, really. It blows our mind when we stop and we think about it. That he is the eternal son of God who put on flesh and became helpless and put his care in the hands of a young couple, poor couple from Nazareth who didn't have two nickels to rub together. It's an awesome thing. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. People have trouble 
uh, with the whole idea of the virgin birth when they try to think about it in natural terms. And the whole point of the Christmas story, the whole point of Jesus, the whole point in the, of the nativity is that there is something beyond this natural world. There is a God, and he's here. He has come. I love the story with the shepherds where the angels came and uh, caught them uh, on their watch at night and proclaimed uh, the advent of Jesus that, that the Savior had been born in Bethlehem. And they respond, let's go. We, we got to go see this thing that the angels have told us about. And why would he go to the shepherds? Because even in that society, they were lowly. They were not... Uh, highly thought of. They were not the rich and famous. They, it's because the rich and famous had other things to do. They were too busy. The shepherds, what do they have to do at night? They were watching their sheep. They didn't have, uh, uh, what is it? They didn't have a Roku. They couldn't stream uh, or binge watch The Chosen. You know, they were, they were out there, they were out there watching their sheep. And so they had the time to take and acknowledge that something wonderful has happened. And they ran immediately to go see it. Take some time and linger at the manger scene. That God came and became man so that you could become children of God. He gave up everything so that you might have everything. God is good, and he is an awesome God, and he does amazing things that you cannot even imagine. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hailed incarnate deity, pleased as men with, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, and the word Emmanuel means God with us. I'm going to bring us to our second point. Oh, I'm sorry. I got a couple of things. I have a couple of scriptures. Um, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, wanted to point out the Magi came and they worshiped him. And I, I just want to point out that there are other scripture references other than John that refer to um, uh, Jesus' deity. Uh, John 1.1 1, 1 refers to uh, the Word. The Word was uh, with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. And then our verse 14, the Word became flesh. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, uh, the Magi came from afar, and they worshiped him. Um, Matthew 14.33, uh, after Jesus walked on the water, um, the disciples worshiped him. And then uh, the last one I have here is Matthew 20, verse, uh, not Matthew, excuse me, John chapter 20. Um, now I can't read my writing. I think that's a 28. Uh, verse 28, uh, with Thomas, after the resurrection, um, he saw Jesus, and he had made a boast that unless I put my, uh, I saw him die, so unless I put my hand in his side and my fingers in the palms of his hands, I will not believe. And then Jesus shows up. And Thomas fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Uh, Jesus didn't say, don't do that. He said, here, come put your 
Uh, fingers in my hand, put your hand in my side, be no longer unbelieving, but believe. Um, Isaiah 9, 6, one of our um, messianic prophecy verses, uh, referred to him as the wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. So take a moment and linger at the manger and realize that he is God, that God made his entrance into the world. He did it for a reason, and that reason is to meet you uh, my second point, now you don't have to put this all in capital letters, although I, uh, as of late, like to put this word in capital letters. It's the word hope. Uh, I won't spell this one. And the verse here uh, is from verse 14, of course, and he made his dwelling amongst us. A dwelling is a living place. It's a home. Um, the tabernacle in the wilderness that the people of Israel carried around with them uh, referred to, was referred to as God's dwelling place. But it was a temporary location. They had to move it. They picked it up and carried it all over the wilderness. And David wanted to build a, a more permanent structure, a temple. He didn't get the idea that God does not dwell in a home made by human hands. And uh, here in verse 14, we see that uh, he doesn't. He made a dwelling made by his hands. He put on flesh to become one of us. Oh, I read this story years ago. It was one of those, um, did you ever get the cards, Pastor, with the sermon illustrations on them? No? Oh, you should have got that. You had a subscription. You could have got, you know. And there was this sermon illustration card. I'm sorry. I shouldn't do this. That's another thing I said. Don't talk to people in the audience. Um, sorry, it's been a little while for me. So, um, we, I, I had this card once about this, this man who, uh, had these pigeons in his, in his yard. And, um, if he, they, if, if they didn't leave the yard, something bad was going to happen to him. I don't remember what exactly was coming, but there was some danger that was coming on these pigeons. And he kept trying to scatter them and get them to fly out of his, his yard. And they, and they didn't. And he was concerned. And he said, you know, if only I could become one of them so I could warn them. That's kind of what God did, didn't he? He became one of us so that he could communicate with us. He could reveal who God was, that uh, God isn't uh, there to do bad things to us, but that God loves us and wants us to be adopted into his family, that he wants us to have eternal life. Hope. And he came and became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. Our second verse, which is actually our third verse, I'm sorry. Our third verse, hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Take your, your pencil and underline light and life to all he brings. In John chapter 1, uh, John tells us that in him was life. And that life was the light of men. Light is symbolic of hope. That's the reason, you know, as Pastor uh, has done these wonderful messages about his favorite things. I, he went through all the symbols of Christmas and the lights at Christmas. The reason we put lights on our house, the reason we put lights on our tree is because light shines in the darkness and it brings hope. Light also dispels darkness. 
Hope is a wonderful thing. Rising with healing in his wings, light and life to all he brings, rising with healing in his wings, mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. We're going to get through this part. Um, I wrote in my notes, experience in the hospital. <laughs> so some of you may know this, some of you may not. Um, I had an event in August. Um, I discovered I had had a heart attack, um, a pretty severe heart attack. Um, I thought, of course, that I just had gas. I had indigestion. I went to the urgent care, and he gave me a prescription for Maalox, sent me home, and told me if I felt any worse to go to the ER. And, of course, you know, I didn't feel worse. I was getting better. And so I went through work to work. I worked for three weeks in that condition, um, baby-stepping it through work. And uh, I, had all, I had done a follow-up visit with my doctor, and he had run some tests. He had done an EKG on me and some blood work, and uh, a couple of days went by the next week, and I got a phone call when I was at work, and it was my doctor. And I said, hey, doctor, how you uh, Hey, doc, how you doing? He says, I want you to go to the ER. And I said, well, I'm at work. I said, are you telling me you want me to leave uh, work and go to the ER? He says, yes, I would like you to leave work now <laughs> and go to the ER. And I was a little concerned. <laughs> so I went to, the, went to the ER. And what uh, really concerned me was when I signed in, I didn't even get a chance to sit down. It was the shortest wait I ever had in the emergency room in my entire life. I, I, had, I hadn't even taken my coat off. I was going to sit down, and they called me. I was like, oh. And then they hooked me up to an EKG, and then all these nurses started getting these concerned work, uh, uh, looks on their face. And then they sent me to a waiting area, and they'd come in, and they'd check up on me, and they'd ask me these questions. You having pain in your chest? Are you, are you having pain? This and that and the other thing. And um, I was like, "Oh, this is sounding." We're we're looking to see if we can uh, if we have a bed available for you because they're going to admit you. And I'm going, "You're going to admit me? For what? I feel fine, even though I've had a heart attack and I've been baby stepping it for." And uh, so they put me on all these. Uh, I had an IV and I had all these other stuff that they were giving me pills and I was just taking them and. <laughs> I said, should I call my wife? <laughs> and he says, yes, I think that would be a good idea. And, of course, I caused, called my wife, and it was one of her days where um, she had some sort of professional development meeting or something where she was busy and couldn't, she, she didn't have her phone on her. So I'm sitting there, I can't get through to her. So now I'm starting to panic because the nurses are coming more frequently, and other, oh, the doctor will be right in. You know, and it's like, uh-oh, you know, uh-oh. And then the doctor comes in and, and lowers the boom on me and tells me that I had a heart attack. And um, tomorrow he's going to go in through my arm. They're going to do this procedure. And I'm going, what are you talking about? Yeah, I was a little concerned. And I started to get a little scared. And then um, I was admitted to the hospital. I spent six days at Henry Ford Wyandotte Hospital. I had two heart catheterizations. Discovered that I had a... Uh, 100% blockage of my LAD um, artery, which they call the Widowmaker. And I had, every doctor I met would tell me, I'm surprised you're still walking around. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, thank you for that. 
I'm glad I'm walking around too. And um, so I had a roommate at the, in my hospital that had fallen and had cracked his skull. And so while I was feeling kind of sorry for myself, um, they would come in and ask him what his name was, and he wasn't able to tell his name or where he was. And so there's always somebody that has it worse than you. But he got discharged and went home, and I was still there. And uh, so I was feeling kind of low and feeling sorry for myself. And I looked up, and I don't know what night it was, but they had The Chosen on TV. And it was the episode where uh, the woman at the well. And uh, she, he, Jesus was talking to her, and she said, who am I? You know, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. And Jesus says, nobody. I came all the way to Samaria just to pick you. And God spoke to me and said, you're not alone. Is in that time of darkness, I had not felt more alone. And Jesus came and said, I am here. And if that wasn't enough, I got a new roommate that evening. And uh, in the morning, we got our breakfast. And uh, this elderly gentleman, he's a little older than I am, he was in for the same thing he had had. Um, issues with his heart, and I'm eating my breakfast, or what they say is breakfast over there. And he comes over, and he says, he says, hi. He says, I'm Ray. What's your name? And I said, my name's Mike. And he asked me what I'm in for, and I told him what I was in for, and he told me what he was in for. And it was fun. We kind of bonded, bonded over our heart issues, which was a new experience for me. And he said, he goes, can I pray with you? And it's like, I had done that before. I had asked total strangers if I could pray for them on occasion. But if the show of the chosen was enough, wasn't enough, God was reminding me. You're not alone. I know you're here. I know what's going on. And I am with you. And hope filled my heart. Because regardless of what I was facing, I knew that God was with me. And that was a good place to be with the Lord. Now, I've had a rough couple of months, and I had a period in October where um, some things that I was hoping for or some um, news that I was hoping to get uh, didn't come across the way that I was hoping they would be. And, you know, that's okay. And I discovered a song by Philip, Craig, and Dean through Spotify of all places. I don't know if you have Spotify, but 
Um, I would make a playlist of songs that I wanted to hear, and Spotify would always choose songs that they think I want to hear instead. And so, um, which is annoying, because I'm paying the extra money to hear my songs. And, um, but this song came from Philip Craigs and Dean. I don't know if I was listening to Keith Green, but they play this. And, you know, I know who Philip Craigs and, and Dean are. Do you know who they are? But I don't listen to any of their stuff. And the song is called, You're Still God. And they were reading my mail. The song talks about, um, you know, it's hard to trust you through these circumstances. And, you know, I'm angry about where I'm at. And, you know, the situation. And then it says, but, you know, you're still God. And you're still there. And you're still with me. And I still have hope because you've come and made your dwelling amongst us. And you bring light and life to all. And that you have come so that man no more may die. And that's the hope of the gospel. Jesus says, uh, Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Matthew 28, 20. I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. God promises us his presence. And it's something that God always did, even in the Old Testament. Elijah, when he fell at the end of his rope uh, after his victory at Mount Carmel, um, he's sitting there feeling sorry for himself, uh, complaining about how he's all alone. God sends him up to Mount Horeb. And Elijah sees a demonstration of fire and, and the great wind and an earthquake. And the Bible says, but God was not in the fire. God was not in the earthquake. God was not in the wind. And then he heard a gentle whisper, and Elijah pulled up his cloak and went out to meet with God. And he still had his complaint, but he met with the presence of God, and that was enough to get Elijah back on the track. All he wanted to do was be with, be, with, be with the Lord. Job chapter 40, verse 1. His friends to comfort him. And then Job starts to, to, starts to voice his complaints with God about the unfairness of everything, and uh, God shows up. Who is it that darkens my counsel? And Job puts his hand over his mouth. He has no argument because the presence of God is there. Church, don't underestimate the incarnation that God became man so that he could be with you. We used to say that when we would become a Christian, when we would convert, we would ask Jesus into our heart and that Jesus would take up residence in our heart, that he would be with us, that he would never leave us. That's the hope of the gospel. That's why the gospel is good news. Born to give a second birth. God can be trusted even when life seems at its darkest. That's a quote by Billy Graham. Psalm 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. It's a powerful thing to know that the creator of the universe walks with you. 
It gives you courage to face anything, even things that you don't know, even things that are scary, even walking through a dark period because you know that the light is with you. And where you've been, God's already been there. And he'll bring you through. Pastor loves to say, um, he'll pull you through if you can stand the pulling. And that's a word of encouragement. Another thing in the hospital is pastor would come and visit me. And, he, you know, I used to do hospital visitations when I was a pastor. But not like this. He would, give, he would come with a verse and he would pray with me. And the verse was right with what I was dealing with. Right with the fear that I had or the doubts that I had. Or, and it was so encouraging because it was the Lord saying to me, I got you. Don't be afraid. I am here. Our third point, if you're keeping the bullet points, the first point is awe and wonder. Okay, second point is hope. The third point, uh, you can put exclamation points after this. I like to do three. It's transformation. And this is the part that we often, I think, at least in today's society, we either de-emphasize or we forget. Verse 4 in our song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. How many have, have ever gone through all four of these verses? How many knew they existed? Aren't they good? That's why I learned hymns in my theology class, because there's so much good stuff here. Verse 4, come desire of nations, come. Fix in us thy humble home. That idea of asking Jesus into our heart. Rise the woman's conquering seed, bruising us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now efface, stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Now being a teacher, if there's a word there that I don't know, I have to find out what it means. And I can use the context clues and maybe find it. But that one kind of puzzled me. It's the word efface. So I looked it up. The word efface means to erase. Adam's likeness, now efface. You know what Adam's likeness is, right? It's the life of sin. Adam sinned. And as a result, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we have this sinful nature in us that we carry around with us and because of what Jesus did on the cross, God can erase that sinful nature by the blood of Jesus. That's good news, isn't it? I don't have to be the way I am. I can change. But I can't change on my own. The next font line says, stamp thine image in its place. The idea of a stamp uh, or put an impression, you know, like a wax uh, stamp or a wax seal where they, they use that uh, original to put an impression in the stamp that God stamps in our heart his image in, that, in the place of, the, of Adam, the second Adam that takes over, the second Adam who is without sin. When God looks at us, he does not see our faults. He does not see our sin. We have been reconciled. We have been redeemed. We have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and he sees the blood. He sees his creation. He sees his child, and we can cry out to him, Abba, and we can enter into the presence of the very Holy of Holies 
and we can have access with God. Not only does he make his dwelling with us, not only do we have the hope of his presence, but we have access to him. And we have the promise that although we are one way, we will not remain that way because God can change us. Often in our society, we say, oh, you know, God is love, and he loves you just the way you are. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. The whole Christian, Christian life is a journey to be like Jesus. There's a wonderful book put out by John Bunyan called The Pilgrim's Progress, and it's an allegory of the Christian life about the Christian. As soon as he discovers uh, the gospel, he goes on a journey. He goes on a journey towards, towards uh, uh, the celestial place to heaven. And on that journey, um, he, go, he goes through transformation. Rome, uh, first, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We'll just leave with this, this verse. Um, For now, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything is becoming new. It's a transformation that takes place. When we get saved from our sin, we are born again. There is a transformation that takes place. We then have God's image stamped on us, and we spend our life seeking to become like him. We learn the word repentance, to turn away. And the wonderful thing is, is that um, God takes us failures and all. And if we fall and we stumble, he picks us up and lets us go again. But there shouldn't be a journey without the understanding of the transformation. The whole thing about light is it, dis it dispels darkness. The reason that a surgeon uses a light is to take out or to get rid of uh, the bad tissue. I'm going to close, uh, oh, last part. Um, how come I have a different verse? Adam's likeness, reinstate us in thy love. I have, I have a little bit more here. Um, maybe it's a different, trans, a different uh, version. Reinstate us in thy love. Let us thee, uh, let us through law, let us thee, let us thee, though lost regain, Thee, the Lord, the life, the inner man, owe to all thyself in part, form in each believing heart. So there's another uh, line that's under the second Adam. And the idea is, is that it's the faith, it's the believing heart that activates that transformation. So I'm going to end with uh, 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 this verse that was quoted by Linus in uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Angel said, I bring good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. That is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. That baby is God become flesh. That baby has come to reconcile, to bring you near to him. Because God loves you so that he's willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That baby 
offers transformation to you. That you are one way, but you don't have to stay that way. He can transform you from the inside out. His image reveals himself to others. The wonderful thing for me is whenever I meet people and they say, I see something different about you, or I see God in you. And I go, you got to be kidding me. I think I told this story before. Maybe I did. I was a youth pastor in Roseville, and I used to work at the same time at the Olive Garden, and I'd stop at uh, 7-Eleven, and I'd buy a 20-ounce Mountain Dew on my way home. And um, I, I had a jacket that people in the church gave me that I had the name of the church on the back, and it had my name on the front that said Pastor Mike. And I'd wear that whenever I'd go, along, go around. I would always stop at the 7-Eleven and get a 20-ounce um, 20 ounce, a 20 ounce Mountain Dew. Um, and on this particular night, I was having an awful day at work. I was having an awful day at work and I was crabby and I came in with a scowl on my face and I wasn't wearing my jacket. Okay. I was wearing my Olive Garden uniform and the lady at the register looked at me and was touched by my sunny disposition, apparently. And she said, you're a pastor, aren't you? And I looked at her, and I, and I said to myself, I said, lady, what part of this says pastor to you? But she recognized me from all the time that I came in, and she started talking to me and wanted me to share with her Jesus. It's like, I don't want to right now. But I did. I stopped. I invited her to church, and I told her about the Lord and presented the gospel because she saw Jesus in me. I'm going to end with the, the message from the, the Chosen Christmas special. If you haven't seen it, it's a tagline thing about Jesus being born. People must know. People must know. Christmas is more than Santa Claus. Christmas is more than lights and trees and peace on earth. Christmas is about God becoming flesh, to die on a cross, to save you from your sins so that his blood could cleanse you, so that you could be like him. He rose from the dead so that you would have eternal life. And one day we will be with him. Amen? Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. Father, we just, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity. I pray, Lord, that you would give us things to chew on this, this evening and that we would take the opportunity this Christmas season as we're walking through the stores and we're hearing your, your praises being sung, that we would look for opportunities and ask you for opportunities to share the gospel, the good news, the glad tidings of great joy, that people do not have to be in darkness anymore. They do not have to be hopeless anymore. They do not have to feel alone anymore because Christ has come. People must know. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen.